What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on our news notes and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 121, going to be a little bit shorter of an episode than usual, only because we, we, we told you we're going to have a free agent uh, special. The day free agency technically begins being tomorrow. Uh, no, not tomorrow. Thursday. Uh, or is it tomorrow? It is tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Yeah, okay. I guess you should probably, you know, gotten that right before I push play. Anyways, tomorrow. So what we're going to do is we're going to record tomorrow evening our free agency special with everything we know up until that point. So it was all we could do to not include any of that in this particular episode. So it's a little bit shorter because a lot of those stories from free agency, many of those stories from free agency are... Uh, are going to take, it's going to be a deep dive into quite a few of them. But we do have a couple of interesting topics for this episode. First off, Drew Brees retires. I mean, I don't really know if he, why he waited to this point, uh, but at least he didn't wait till after free agency, so that was good. Uh, but I mean, this guy is legitimately, uh, I'd say generational talent, but there's, a few people that are in his league who kind of played when he did too. But this guy was something special. Played 20 seasons, five for the Chargers, the team who drafted him. His final 15 for the New Orleans Saints. He has a list of records a mile long. Accolades, uh, one of the most respected players in the league. Uh, I mean, what more can you say? I would say he overcame... Uh, the knocks on him. He didn't have a big arm. He might have been too short to play quarterback. Uh, and he adjusted as his career went on, and he was able to amass this 20-year career with, as you pointed out, accolades that are up there with the greats. And I think I think this proves that hard work um, and effort will, will get you pretty far. Um in anything. And I think it's, and honestly, if you're, if you're, and if you don't know, and I, I'm, I'm shocked it's been 15 years with the saints, but if you didn't know 15 years ago when he left the chargers, he could have signed with Miami. Yeah. They didn't want to sign him. They signed Dante Culpepper instead in that off season because they said his arm was shot. Yeah. They went Dante Culpepper and that didn't work out. And Look what the Saints got. They got a Super Bowl ring, you know, a lot of years of, of success. And and it really, really helps New Orleans area as well. And I think if the Dolphins could – a Dolphin organization at that time could think back as like maybe we should have taken that gamble. And, and, and in all fairness, it would have been a gamble because you didn't, you didn't know. But let's, let's think about this, though. I mean yeah. – the Dolphins really haven't found their franchise quarterback since Dan Marino, and they had a chance to with this guy. They decided it wasn't worth the, it. Wasn't worth the risk. Yeah, uh, his shoulder was you know allegedly in bad shape. I guess he was coming off a shoulder injury. There's already questions, like you said, even before he came out of college about his arm strength, and he was too short, wouldn't be able to see over the defensive line enough to be effective and throw downfield. And um, I mean, eighty thousand plus yards later. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Mr. Breeze has proven many, many people wrong. Uh, you know, I mean, 13-time Pro Bowler. Yeah. 13-time Pro Bowler. 
uh, two-time NFL Offensive Player of the Year. He was the NFL Comeback Player of the Year in 2004. I think that's the first year he was with New Orleans. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe that was with the year of San Diego still, when they were in San Diego. Uh, I know we messed up on that, but it actually was the San Diego Chargers at that time, so <laughs> retroactively. Uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year in 2006. And, I mean, you'd have to figure he was a contender for that award many, many other times. First all-time in passing yards, pass completions, second all-time in passing touchdowns. He's 10 behind Tom Brady because he had a few games last year he was injured, and Brady and him have been neck and neck for years. Uh, Sixth all-time in passer rating, 98.7. Third and fourth quarter comebacks with 36. Uh, I remember a time when John Elway ruled that category when I was a kid growing up, and now you have five guys ahead of him, so... You've seen a lot of really, really stellar quarterback play over the last two decades in the NFL. Uh, and second all-time in game-winning drives with 53. And that's just a regular season. We're going to we're gonna you know discuss this a little bit more, and then we're going to get into the postseason because the postseason is where good players become legends. Right. And Breeze is considered to be one of the greatest of all time. And I don't think anybody with eyes who ever watched him play could argue that. Without a doubt. Yeah, he had some studs behind him. He had some years of great offensive lines. He had some great receivers. He had some great running backs. He also made a lot of guys with his talent. Made a lot of people better. So we're, we're going to look into some of the numbers uh, in a few minutes as to, is he really uh, as good as people are going to remember him as, as being? Or is it kind of recency bias where... Oh, he did all these things, and he's awesome. Um, I, I, I know. I think we. I think I know where you and I both stand. I know where I yeah. stand. I, I'm pretty sure I know where you're going to go too. Uh, you're not. It, 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 spoiler: It's not really going to be any uh, hot takes. No. <laughs> um, but it, it is like, like you mentioned with the Dolphins. It is just hard to believe how much one decision can change a franchise. Because before the Saints signed Drew Brees. They were really floundering trying to find a starting quarterback. They were kind of doing what the Dolphins have done ever since, where got a guy for a couple of years, think it might be the the you know the franchise quarterback potentially doesn't work out. Uh, you draft a guy late rounds, he comes out has a few good games, just kind of tapers off after that, doesn't really pan out. And how much just taking that chance on a guy who people thought had a bum shoulder after five years in the league changed the fortunes of the Saints organization <laughs> for the next decade and a half because this guy was the foundation of the team and truly, truly a special player. And, and if you think of it in, in this respect, Chris, in that 15 years, the top of what you would call the representatives of the quarterbacks that the Dolphins have had is Jay Fiedler and Ryan Tannehill. Neither, neither had success in the playoffs, neither had marginal success in in regular season. And we understand Ryan Tannehill's had a revival in Tennessee, but put, put those two together and they don't even come remotely close to what Drew Brees did in the regular season. So, is it fair to say with Miami, we're not we're not adding too much to that because it's just the jury's still out. It's way too soon. It is way, yeah, way we can't, too we early. We can't fairly give a whole career diagnosis on the kid after, what, 10 starts? So No, no. Uh, it, it's – I mean, they may have their person, but 
yeah, we don't know what would have happened had the Miami Dolphins taken Drew Brees. And we may not have never seen the Wildcat for a brief portion of time. And there's a lot of things that could have that could have not happened. Um, maybe the Patriots don't have that dominating 20 years because now Tom Brady is dueling with Drew Brees in the same division as opposed to they're dueling in different conferences. But I think I think he stands on his own on his record in the regular season. And I think he's got to be considered one of the best. I don't, I don't want to put top 10. I don't want to put top 15 because you start put, you just start throwing names at top 10, top 15. And then all of a sudden you have a list of 20, 25 quarterbacks and a top 15 list. So I would just say he is up there with the greats. And I think, and as we'll discuss in the playoffs, one thing that divides him from some guys who were greats at their time and just kind of getting forgotten is that he he won a Super Bowl. He took his team yeah. to the top mm-hmm. and won a Super Bowl. No, it's no knock on on players like Jim Kelly or Dan Marino. And and at some point it could have been John Elway or Peyton Manning, but they got past that. But when you think of the greats, you do you'll you'll name Dan Marino, you'll name Jim Kelly at some point but they don't instantly pop in your head because you just – when you think of, of the great moments, they always happen in the Super Bowl almost, and he's got that. So that's why I, I think when we dive into the playoffs, that'll show he is one of the greats. I'm going to I'm gonna go on a limb. I'm not going to do it just, just yet. I'm going to do it after we do our, our playoff, uh, our Drew Brees career playoff. I guess I guess you can call it mini retrospective. Uh, I'm going to. I, I know where he places in my all time list personally, um, but I don't want to spoil that just yet. Um, like I said, undoubtedly one of the greatest of all time. But where do his numbers in the playoffs actually stack up? He made the playoffs exactly half of the seasons he was in the league. I believe he had one one playoff appearance with the Chargers. And uh, with the Saints, he had nine. So quite a bit more success there in New Orleans. Uh, nine and nine record all time. Before you say, oh, only 500. Peyton Manning was only one game above 500 in his playoff career. He was 14 and 13. So I know he got another ring. I know he went to a few more Super Bowls. Uh, but it's still just a comparison. Uh, he is sixth all time in passing touchdowns in the playoffs. Uh, uh, excuse me, tenth in yards per game with two hundred ninety-eight point one. Uh, third in completion percentage with sixty-six point seven percent, and he is eighth in passer rating with a rating of ninety-seven point one. Uh, all those numbers. Um, the thing with those numbers with uh, that are the average is it's kind of skewed. Because right now you have and like the yards per game in the playoffs, you have guys like Patrick Mahomes ahead of him, because it doesn't have a a, a, a floor. It's not like uh, minimum ten starts. It's just whatever you did. So you can have a guy come in, have one career playoff game, throw for four hundred yards, 
and be the all-time leader in playoff uh, yards per game average. So that's a little wonky there. Uh, completion percentage too. He's third, but the guys, the two guys in front of him, uh, only played in a minimal amount of playoff games. I can't think off the top of my head. I didn't put it here on the rundown. I should have, but I didn't. Um, but yeah, uh, it it's there's no arguing. This guy, it is not just simply a case of recency bias or. He got some big numbers, and that was it. Like, Phillip Rivers has been a really good stat collector. Phillip Rivers has never done a damn thing in the postseason. I'm sorry. I know people don't like when I say that. I'm not saying he was terrible or he's an awful person or this and that. Numbers don't lie, and numbers are how you measure people whose career it is or job it is to collect stats. That's how you <laughs> – That's it's like being a production worker in a warehouse. If you don't produce anything, you're not any damn good as a production worker. I used to work in a production plant. If the machine I was on wasn't working, I wasn't any good to them. So if you're not if you're not producing the product you're supposed to produce, which is wins and championships, then you're not really doing what you're there to do if you're the face of a franchise. So guys like Rivers don't cut it, in my opinion. Guys like Breeze do. I think I think how I would look at this, Chris, is the numbers. They, they get skewed by, well, one person at the moment, and that's Tom Brady's. So you kind of have to, no offense to Tom, Tom is an anomaly. Tom Tom Brady will probably never happen again unless Patrick Mahomes starts to go on a tear. So you almost have to take him out of the conversation, knowing where his place is, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the, if not the greatest quarterback, one of the greatest athletes uh in all time. And you have to say, okay, I'm setting him aside. Now, how does Drew Brees stack up against the all time greats? And maybe at some point we'll have to do with that with Patrick Mahomes too. You know, if he starts to collect all these awards and, and, and multiple suit roles, maybe he'll be at that point with Tom Brady is at, but I think, I think in, in all fairness to Drew Brees, and I understand he played in the, the time that Tom played in, but I think you have to take Tom out of the argument to have a fair assessment of how top level Drew Brees was. And that'll give you a better understanding of, of where he's at in that that echelon of, of great quarterbacks. And that's with one of these times actually getting the Super Bowl and winning. So I, I think, I think, if you're if you're out there and you you think well, he only has one Super Bowl, and as you pointed out, ten times he made the playoffs. And there's quarterbacks who don't make the playoffs more than two or three times. So, yeah, absolutely. And the nine nine the nine nine record, eh, you know, there's some some games. Tom Brady went absolutely apeshit in the Super Bowl against the second Super Bowl against the Eagles. And they lost. Exactly. Right. That counts as a loss to him. Right. So it is a team sport and we understand that the records tend to lean, tend to just get stapled to the quarterback and the head coach to the Fair uh, or unfair. Yeah. To, well, to the contrary of that point too, to, to prove your point even more. So it says in contrary to the contrary of what you were saying, uh, yeah. the first Super Bowl they won against the Rams, the Patriots back in uh, Super Bowl 36, 
statistically, Brady didn't have a dominant game. He wasn't he wasn't the the dominant you know stat machine that he became later on in his career. He was very much kind of a a game manager who was really good at making some difficult throws. Uh, he made a great drive that last drive when Vinatieri kicked the uh, the game winning kick. But I still say personally, the MVP of that Super Bowl was Ty Law. Um, but again, much like a huge stat game goes as a loss because they didn't beat the Eagles the second time. That first Rams win goes as a win. He gets the MVP, and it's just one to zero, you know. So or three to zero at that point. So I mean, it's it's yeah. There definitely has to be context when looking into those sort of things. Uh, for for me, it's easy. Uh, Brady's best all time. Manning's number two. Breeze is number three. And I know I know people can say, oh, well, the games changed. It, you know. Over the years, it's not the same thing. These guys wouldn't last five minutes back in the 40s. Maybe not, but you know what? They didn't play in the 40s. We can only judge them by what they did and when we saw them. And that's just my opinion. I know contrary to contrary to this, this world we're living in today where everybody has to agree with everybody or you're just a bad person, uh, we can all have our own opinion on this. So um, Elway's a close second, but he just – I know he won the two rings – didn't just didn't have even close to the stats that Brees had. And let's be really honest, I'm not trying to disparage the Broncos' second Super Bowl win, but if Terrell Davis doesn't go nuts that year, they're probably not a Super Bowl champion. Probably I, not. I, I can't. I mean, I could sit down and look at my list of top 10, top 15, and, and the odds are that, that Drew Brees is, is definitely in the top five. Um, obviously, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning – one, two. Um, I, I, Tom Brady was number one years ago. Let's let's not get down that road of who's better. Tom yeah, Brady. That's not, yeah, it's not a new thing, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. no. So, so I, w- I would I would say for sure he's in the top five, but without looking at numbers, without looking at all the accolades that I look at and all the metrics I would look at, he's definitely in the top five. Um, but I think he could be proud of the career he had. And there's no doubt he'll be first ballot Hall of Famer. And it's 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 funny how he already has a gig before he even retired with um what was it, NBC? Uh I yeah, believe so, yeah. Uh, so so there'll be a, a second act for for Drew Brees. Oh yeah, absolutely, like, yeah. Much like a couple other players, you know, Tommy Romo has it is in his second act. You know, Peyton Manning's chosen, I guess, um, a pitch man as his second act, which hey, it works, it works. Um, but I think I think he'd be proud of of his his career, even with the five hundred record in the playoffs, the ten out of twenty seasons, because I think I think you can look at Dan Marino's career uh, the best. He went to the Super Bowl in his first year, correct? Uh, I believe so. Never went back. I don't think he ever went back because I think the next the year they played, the next time they played in the Super Bowl, he wasn't the starting quarterback. I think he lo- was lost early in the season. Okay. Um. So it's ironic, you know, that you could be so great in your first season and then just never touch it again. And the same thing for Jim Kelly. You you go four years in a row and nothing. 
You didn't, you didn't win it once. So you, you, when, when you're someone and you're looking at stats of a player, records, playoff records, playoff appearances, just understand there's at this point, there's uh, 32 teams, different points. There's different amount of uh, teams and everyone's trying to get to the same goal each and every year. So right. it's not, it's not as even though, again, Tom Brady does make it look easy. It is not that easy to put together a winning, a playoff football team. Well, speaking of Tom Brady and winning playoff football teams, uh, the Bucks. Uh, we're we're only well, we we talked we talked about this last time. Um, the last time it was just rumored they were going to try to restructure his contract, and we always say, um, you know, at the time we usually don't know more about a contract that's being negotiated and we usually have a full rundown on our show. So we don't really have time to backtrack and say, see, this is what we meant when we said this. Uh, but we do today because with all the free agent talk, there really isn't a lot going on in baseball there. Well, there's a baseball basketball tie in. That's going to be our third topic. So, which <laughs> I did not know was going to be something we were talking about today, but it kind of sprung up and it's, it's interesting. Uh, but there really isn't much else going on right now. So we figured we kind of look at this contract a little bit and explain what we meant by some of the things we said last episode. So to anybody who looked at the Tom Brady and the Bucks contract extension, it would appear as though he signed a four-year extension. Uh, if you remember the last season before he left the Patriots, it was announced he had signed a two-year extension. However, that's not always what it seems. See, the four-year extension for the Bucks included uh, the season that he's going into now and includes three voidable years at the end of the contract. So it he plays this year, and he's actually on the books to be paid some next year, and then there's three voidable seasons, or, or two or three. It, see, it's still confusing, truthfully. Um, I'm looking for the bucks here. I'm, I'm looking at overthecap.com as always. It's three, Chris. You're right. Uh, three. Okay. It is three voidable years. Uh, Tom Brady went from being the highest paid player on the team to the sixth highest paid player on the team because of how he restructured. So yes, for this season, uh, he will, uh, only take up after having, mind you, uh, a, a, a $50 million two year guaranteed contract. He restructured this season. Last year's already done. He got half of that guaranteed. Right. Uh, this season, he has a base salary of uh, just over a million dollars, and a prorated bonus of eight million, which he actually has listed on all five remaining years. So I was incorrect when I said that this year started the extension. Next year does, but it only actually adds one year uh, to the contract. The other three are voided. So what they did essentially was they took. I think $20 million in a signing bonus and then $20 million in roster bonuses. And they paid him that ahead of time. They converted that from cap money to other money. So when, when people say, Oh wow, he's only making, you know, uh, $9 million against the cap this year. No, he's actually making 40 or more than 40. They did him that solid for being willing to restructure. 
What that also means is when the voided years start, the Bucks, if they don't play their cards right, are going to have a lot of dead cap. Now, that doesn't really matter if Tom Brady still wants to play past the age of 45 at the end of 2022. And um, you know, if he still wants to play and they restructure again, that doesn't really matter. Because if he agrees to restructure, all that goes away and it just is what it is. Yeah. Uh, the reason the, 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 uh, the Saints were in trouble and couldn't do that is because they can't restructure with a player who's retiring. Uh, and the reason the Patriots had so much dead cap last year was because you can't restructure with a player who's leaving. You can only restructure with a player who's willing to restructure and play. So, look, we wanted to explain this more to you. Um, hopefully that's a little bit more clear. To be 100% honest, the people who deal with these caps are financial wizards. <laughs> and it is extremely... Uh, it can be very hard to understand. I would urge anyone listening who is interested to go to overthecap.com or whatever site Ben uses. Uh, what do you use? Uh, Spot Track. Spot Track. Both are really good sites. I just, over the cap is easier for me to understand. Uh, but they're both really good. We, we use them both. I'd recommend them. Uh, as well as uh, Pro Football Reference for me. I use that a lot of times when I'm collecting stats. So, not sponsors. Just want to give them credit and we use their service. Want to make sure they get the recognition. Um, I, I go there and take a look. We can click on any team. You click on any player. You can see the contract, how it's built. There's all sorts of different things you can do. You can adjust the the dead money and cap savings to pre June first, post June first. You know, for cuts and restructures. And if you're into that kind of thing, if you're a stat nerd and a numbers nerd like me, uh, you, you'll love it. If not, don't bother. You'll be bored out of your mind, and you'll fall asleep in five minutes. But um, yeah, I mean. It, not really a four-year extension, more like a one-year extension with a whole lot of money and bonuses for him being willing to do that. But um, smart move by the Bucks because realistically, you can never count Tom Brady wanting to play to his 50 the way he's been talking. Uh, do I think it'll happen? No. But if anyone's going to, it's him. So even if they were to take a big cap hit in the first voidable year for dead money, or they were able to disperse it over a few years. It's something that's going to help their team a lot now and not cripple their team in the long run. You really can't ask for a lot more. It, it definitely gives them some space. They still need to look at their free agents. They're still looking at Antonio Brown, trying to bring him back. Uh, I'm sure they want Fournette back. I doubt they'll get him, but it, it's a good move by the team for the now, but we've, we've discussed this. And we, again, we don't have a problem with this. No. You want to kick the can down the road? Go ahead. Eventually, you're going to have to pick up that can and, and, and pay for it. And that's what they're doing. And that's what the Saints did with Drew Brees all that time. And uh, you looked at it. There's three big names that, that restructured for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Kelsey. Mahomes and Chris Jones all restructured. Now they all had new new contracts last year. I don't know particulars of, of how it's going to lay out, but you know, you eventually you're going to pay for it. It's just a matter of not if when, so just, just uh, be mindful of, of what your team's doing on all fronts. Be mindful. Try to try your best to dive into the numbers that are available. 
and, and see what your team's trying to do. How if you're some of the teams that are still trying to dig out of that hole, I, I feel bad because um, you know our team was in that hole this past offseason. Yeah. That's why. That's why there was no activity last year for the New England Patriots. Because, <laughs> A little bit different this year. Right. Um, but I think I think Tom's making the right move for the team. He uh, He's free out that space. Uh, I think it'll be a little, especially with Drew Brees um, retiring, that division just kind of kind of closed up a little bit uh, because, you know, Panthers are still looking at upgrading over Teddy. And the Falcons, God, who knows the Falcons are going to be, who's going to be on the – the roster beginning yeah. of the season. I know they've they've actually fixed their cap issue already, but still, they, they haven't signed Todd Gurley. They haven't they haven't done some other pieces. So, I think it's going to be an easier road in the division for the Bucks this this season. So they might be able to might be able to take a little less here or there and, and talent wise. But then maybe that, you know, those midseason cuts from other teams or trades where the prorated dollars are make more sense for them. Yeah. That, that might be a better option for them this 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 season. Uh, much like they signed Antonio Brown midseason, much like they got Fournette on on almost nothing. It's a good move for Tom Brady and the Bucks. Yeah, and we're not going to get into it. Like I said, tomorrow is going to be our winter recorder free agent special, which will be available Thursday morning, in case you haven't heard yet. Um, but this already allowed them to come to terms with a, a big-time free agent they really wanted to bring back. So it's already paying dividends, and especially if they go out and win another Super Bowl, how can you be mad at it? Right. All right. Now, I thought that was going to be it, truthfully. When I sat down to do this rundown, like I said, with, with no free agent talk and not a lot going on in sports uh, because of our free agent talk we're doing tomorrow and Thursday, I really thought that was going to be a two topics, in and out, 25, 35 minutes. See you guys Thursday. Uh, and then I got a little blurb on my phone from Bleacher Report that says LeBron James has purchased an unknown amount of shares in Fenway Sports Group. Uh, this makes him uh, the first black partner. And Fenway Sports Group, congratulations for that. Uh, along with his business partner also, the both of them. Um, Robert I, uh, Carter. Uh, uh, yes, yes, yes. I Thank you. I forgot his name. Um, so congrats for that. Uh, the interesting part is, uh, and look, we, uh, there's been times I thought LeBron was great. There's been times I thought he was a real jerk. Uh, hit or miss, whatever you think of him, that's not the point. The point is just this is an interesting topic. Uh, it technically makes him part owner of the Boston Red Sox, which is interesting because it's much like Patrick Mahomes is part owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, but he plays in that city. Uh, Boston and L.A. have uh, been kind of rivals, not necessarily as much in baseball with the exception of this World Series a few years ago. More in basketball, they've been massive rivals for decades. Um, LeBron, whether he was trolling or not, a couple of years ago in the uh, American, I think it was like ALCS, showed up to uh, the Cleveland Indians uh, playoff game with the Yankees hat on. And that was part owner of the Red Sox. So uh, just kind of some funny little side notes there. Nothing that would 
honestly disqualify him from doing so. But the interesting thing to me is I think there's more to this in the long run than just buying some shares. And I'm curious what you think about it, if anything. Well, first you have to look at this and say, okay, he's not becoming part of the Red Sox ownership. He's becoming part of the Fenway Sports Group, which also owns Liverpool, Roush, Fenway Racing, and a multiple other things. So he's buying into that. So this is not focused on just the baseball aspect. No, so no. We have to remember that because um, LeBron and, and Maverick Carter, when they, when they, it seems like on the surface, I don't know this, I don't talk to any of them, but it seems on the surface when they go in, they go in big. Um, I think this, this speaks to trying to broaden broaden the company um, and when I mean company I mean uh, Fenway Sports Group trying to broaden that out and maybe just maybe um, when LeBron steps away from basketball this is an in for Fenway Sports Group to get a NBA ownership I wasn't thinking that but that's very possible um, the one thing you can say about LeBron is like you said, he doesn't he doesn't do anything small. So he's not buying this just to sit on his hands and say, "Oh, I'm I, I have stock in Fenway Sports Group. I'm part owner of Fenway Sports Group. That's cool." And then look away from it and never touch it again. He has a plan. He has an idea. Um, what that is, I obviously obviously don't know. Uh, but thing is, LeBron James has his hand in a lot of different things, and he's not going to run out of money anytime soon. Uh, if ever, the guy could live a hundred lifetimes and never need to go fund me. Um, I think this is, and, and meanwhile, not by himself, mind you, but with a group of his own, uh, of his own choosing, uh, of people he associates with business wise, uh, to purchase Fenway Sports Group in the long run. Oh, take over ownership. Take over ownership. That's and possible. again, and again, not just not just him. It'll be him and his business partner. Uh, what's his uh, gentleman's name again? Maverick Carter. Maverick Carter. Thank you. How can I, it's a cool ass name. How can I remember that? Um, God, is that his real name? Do you know? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's that's that's, that's pretty badass. Um, <laughs> that was my name. I'd have business cards made up for nothing. I'm just just <laughs> panning about. Hey, guess what? My name is. Um, but yeah, no, I think this is going to be in the long run. Um, LeBron and a group uh, that he's going to put together uh, over over the years of his business dealings and people he knows and people he's worked with in the past or wants to work with in the future. Um, eventually, just having ownership because the one thing let's say for Fenway Sports Group when it comes to John Henry and some of those guys in there is sometimes they seem like they care and they give a damn. Other times it seems like they want to just light it on fire, run away as fast as they can. Uh, you know, they act like they don't care when it comes to free agents with the Red Sox, and then they announce that they're going to put hundreds of millions of dollars into the area around Fenway Park to bring it up to par, which I'm all for because I love Boston, I love Fenway, but that area needs some work. Um, Yeah, I mean, we don't have a whole lot of details on it right now. 
that's I just thought it was really interesting, and it is possible that a lot of people haven't heard yet and are going to hear it listening to this show first. So I first saw it on Bleacher Report. Got to make sure I give them credit. I don't know who the story was by. It was just a little blurb I got, notification. Um, but this is interesting at the very least, even if it ends up not being what I think it will, and it's just something else LeBron wants to have as a business venture to make money off of. I just think it's kind of cool that somebody from the other end of the country uh, being in L.A. (laughs) bought something in Boston when he's playing for a team that's been a rival of uh, that city's NBA team for years. And he's kind of been a thorn in the Celtics side as well. I know it's not ownership of the Celtics at all, but it's still Boston. And now he's going to be in business-wise, kind of getting in a position where he could be entrenched in Boston. There's a lot of different layers to it. There's a lot to unpack, and I think it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I think uh, to speak to your the part where you, you mentioned how sometimes they seem distant, um, it, the initial purchase of Liverpool was not welcomed. Um, I don't know anything about soccer except kick the ball and put it in the net. But I know there was a lot of chirping coming out of England about not wanting them part of it. And I think after a few years, probably like four or five, six, eventually I think they won the cup or whatever Champions League, whatever it is, the highest honor you can win in European soccer. Um, And I think it just takes time when when a new ownership comes in and and takes – takes hold it's kind of like the when they bought the red Sox. it just takes some time and i think this this could i, I honestly because i'm reading um the espn article about it and there's you know there's a connection with tom warner and and how him and lebron james and maverick carter had this comedy special survivor's remorse so there's a connection there uh james's interest in liverpool um so there's a lot there. I, I still think because even I, I we've talked about this before, and there's been rumors that Fenway Sports Group will uh, eventually sell the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. But I, th- yeah. I I think I think at some point when the opportunity arises and LeBron's out of the league, they they're going to buy or attempt to buy an NBA in ownership. Or honestly, let's not put it past him he might try to buy one. You know, Michael Jordan is a majority, I believe he's the majority owner of the Charlotte Bobcats. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. No, not at all. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see over the next, you know, weeks, months, and years, uh, what comes of that. If anything, you never know, but I think there's, uh, I think it's going to be uh, more to it than just LeBron buying shares and walking away. All right. Anything else? Are you all set? Oh, I just want to ask real quick. What do you think the next 24 hours, actually next 22 hours, what's the biggest thing you're looking at? Uh, ooh. Well, I got to say, I think you're going to see, uh, we're going to, you're going to sometime tomorrow afternoon, you're going to see Kenny Galladay sign somewhere. And I don't know exactly where I wouldn't be. I'm thinking, 
honestly, I'm thinking Indianapolis. Okay. Uh, it's indoors. Really, really good team around them. It'd be a smart move. Having said that, um, I've been wrong about twice as often as I've been right this offseason. Uh, so uh, it's probably going to be with the Jaguars on a one-year deal. No, not really. But uh, I think I think that's – I think you're going to have the biggest offensive impact free agent, you know, on paper at least, with, uh, with uh, Chris Godwin and um, Allen Robinson – well, Allen Robinson has said he will not sign his uh, his his oh, yeah, he's not. his uh, um, franchise um, franchise tag tender. So there's there's something to be done there too. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be Kenny Galladay. Uh, I'm looking at I'm actually looking at two teams. That's it. The other the other rest of them are close enough to where they'll be fine. Uh, they'll get under the the threshold. I'm looking at the Eagles and the Rams and thinking, how are you going to make $19 million in the negative and $25 million, that's Eagles and Rams respectively, uh, just disappear? Uh, I don't know how. Yeah, um, <laughs> in less than yeah. 24 hours. Because you're already losing, and, and, and we'll get into this tomorrow, but Rams signed a free agent, one of their own, and, and Eagles are losing losing free agents. So it's going to be interesting to see because they have twenty-two less than 22 hours to figure this math out. Yep. And, you know, kudos to the Saints. Oh, yeah, and, they did a magic trick. Jesus. And the Falcons, you know, Falcons already been under. The Saints, I'm not concerned. They're, they're 10 million within, so it's quite possible. It's just – I'm just interested to see where those two teams mm-hmm. – figure it out you know for sure yeah but that'll be it all right well thank you very much for listening ladies and gentlemen to episode 121 we greatly appreciate it if you have any questions or comments on anything you've heard on this episode or past episodes we'd love to hear from you and ben where can they get in touch with us well you can hit us up on twitter that's at bcts pod facebook ben and chris talk sports or the website bctspod.com all right, download's still doing good. Don't forget, if you haven't yet, you feel so inclined, leave a rating and a review. We greatly appreciate that. And tell a friend if you have any. Uh, don't forget tomorrow, or excuse me, Thursday, Thursday morning, 2021 NFL Free Agency Special. We have no idea how long that'll be, but um, there's going to be some good content in that because Ben and I did all we could this episode to not just break into it. So until next time, for Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here Thursday morning. Thank you.